Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trab. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of kissing that squiggly face you love so much. Yeah, but how many sets Yeah, but how many sets of lips do you have to actually kiss on that head? Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> okay. I wasn't gonna make a hentai joke, so Oh, okay, yes. Yes, tentacles. They're they're not just for breakfast anymore. Uh, Dude! <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yes, we are talking about tentacles this week, but it's not hente. Uh, it is, in fact, the, uh, the, the thought experiment put forth by Trav as what if Mind Flayers invaded Bureau 13, otherwise known as Paranormal Earth. Also, it's funny that you mentioned... Things such as geology and metallurgy. Uh, Bruce, do you remember when we interviewed Dr. Nick Palmer years ago? Okay, he did a, for Pathfinder, it was his own version of D20 Modern called Modern Adventures. It's pretty much the modern rules I use for converting Pathfinder to modern day. And, okay, you know that you would, in D20, you would use knowledge dungeoneering to describe things such as aberrations, such as grells abolets abolets and flares yeah i never uh, liked that very much the way they separate that out but yeah i get it i understood um dr nick palmer also rearranged that knowledge dungeoneering now also includes earth science such as geology metallurgy so the flares since that's one of the skills they know the best yeah they would want to get into mining and um anything that has to do with drilling underground even hell they might even get involved in, like, archaeology departments at universities, which means they would have access to not only plenty of new information, but <clears throat> the occasional fresh body. Um, oh, this college person disappeared. Oh, they probably went home. You know, they dropped out of college oh, and also, left. That's also an opportunity that for them to cover up any ancient artifacts that might have described them. Exactly. That's why I said also yeah. archaeology and anthropology departments. Oh, this si this university is going on an archaeological dig in the in the Andes. Well, yeah, unfortunately, there's a flare base there, so you're not going to want to, you know, have them around there. So, oh, we're going to redirect them over here. Or no, the the funding's been cut. Yeah, so you're not going to be able to go down there. Um, but yeah, Doctor Nick Palmer in Modern Adventures uses knowledge dungeoneering now for Earth sciences, and nobody knows more about knowledge dungeoneering than the flares themselves. So they would learn how to, they would probably put their bases far enough away from such things as mineral deposits and uh, the vestiges of various civilizations. Or if they did and the civilizations, you know, died there, they would know to move they would just pick up their operations and, well, because it's all gooey biotech, they would just, you know, suck it all up in a turkey baster and move a couple caves over, you know. Um, well, I, that, especially when civilization uh, got to the point where um, hygiene and sewer systems become common. Yeah, you know, yeah. They don't even have to do the work anymore. It's pre-made for them. Now, how sensitive are these creatures to things like radiation and uh, toxic uh, materials. Let me bring up the PDF for... Oh, I had it here. I, ha I just minimized the PDF. Uh, um, Freenic, a Freenic Scourge. Here we go. Because I'm not seeing any immunities. or any, I've got the stats for the Freenic Scourge here, which is page 71 of the Psionic Bestiary. Yeah, I'm also looking yeah. at the, the modern 5e D&D version. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, folks, again... Yeah. I, 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 you know my engines. There's a lot of game systems I will gladly admit that I am ignorant in. That, like, Savage Worlds, I defer to Bruce on that. 5e, it's like, okay, Jonathan has the stats for that. I'm, I'm looking here to see if they have any immunities to such things as... Because I, I believe radiation in Pathfinder now is considered a poison. So I'm not seeing any immunities to poison here. No, no. Yeah, so they would also... Five, yeah. 
5e, they the only resistance they have is to magic in general. But outside of that, nothing like no physical resistances. Okay, because if they did, then, you know, places like uh, toxic waste dumps, uh, places where radiation was uh, still, you know, in the in the area would be like really good places for them to hide and operate out of because everybody else would stay the far, far, far away. Of course, you could possibly uh, salt the area like that and not actually make it toxic, just the surface level, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, the, the ground levels, you know, nothing but a toxic waste dump, but you go 30 feet, 100 feet down. Oh, it's perfectly clean here, right. except for the mine players. Exactly, and nobody and, and nobody's going to go and mess with that area <laughs> if they think they're going to get cancer. Okay, you know, uh, and it would have the government would have to wouldn't want to like be very open about investigating it because that always looks really bad on the news. Government investigating toxic waste up has everyone's like, "How's our groundwater? Go get it checked." Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody <laughs> goes crazy. Okay, you know, as we as we found out during the last year, you know, there's a lot of people that are willing to believe anything. <laughs> so yeah so it's uh you got to be careful uh anyways uh and there's a book a series of books actually and called the micronauts i believe uh but uh no no it was called a uh a cold war in a country garden that was the first book and it was it was written in england and it was about these people who had been they did an experiment to basically clone them little tiny bodies about you know a couple inches tall and uh, and and then move their their minds into them and and live as as people um and, and, and in a colony to see whether or not they could create basically these agents who could go in you know into places would never be found never be seen because they were just too small to be detected okay and, and it had nothing to really to do with that that part of it but them living their lives and it turned out it, it toward the end of the book that this was actually um uh th this was a, a large estate that had a big wall rod that just said it just said biological warfare research <laughs> no admittance and nobody for like decades had come into the area because they were afraid they'd run into somebody's experiment that hadn't been properly uh uh, disposed of and I'm sure that this kind of technique of fear uncertainty and doubt would be really really well practiced in their playbook oh yeah just making areas that you know oh it's owned by this company and yeah there's signs all over so nobody goes in and they can do all this weird stuff that they like oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and, and except for the occasional group of uh, uh, randy teenagers who disappear and never and, and no one they're never found yeah so uh, and they're never seen or heard from again Yes. Yeah. Well, they are, you know, a, a, a smart mind flayer would go, of course, and take, uh, you know, take material and put it like a state away to be found. So there'd be a trail leading to someplace other than where they actually were last. Oh, yeah. And with their biotech, cloning is not a problem. They would just, yeah, okay, here's, you know, the finger of one of the two. Oh, we did a fingerprint check. It was of one of the girls who disappeared near this area. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, we haven't really talked about um, the Renfield. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to talk about what that term means? Well, if you've um, read your Dracula, Renfield was the... Uh, I can't remember if it was actually said in the story or not that he was mentally dominated, but he was Dracula's little human puppet. Uh, he was a man who would do whatever his boss Dracula said, without question. Yeah, yeah these would be those thralls that I mentioned earlier, that they are so totally... Mm -hmm mentally subjugated that yeah they are puppets yeah okay i just didn't know that bruce was going to use that term but yeah no no i i yeah and they're going to be yeah they're going to be the honestly from i'd say any mind flare colony they are going to be the one the renfields are going to be the ones that are that are the vice president in the mining corporations or are the sheriff of the town they're hiding under anybody with a position of power they'll just send a renfield up that way there's a little bit of extra plausible deniability well yeah and, and and, and again, it's going to be the power behind the throne. You're not going to have the president of the mining company. You're going to have that one vice president in charge of new, of exploration, you know, to find new mineral deposits. Or you're going to have the assistant professor of the archaeology department to hide away, you know, to stop the funding to, you know, possibly find the flare base. Yeah, it's always going to be 
the vizier, the power behind the throne type stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason I'm mentioning it is because we, again, over the last year, we've discovered there's a lot of really, really angry people in this country. And, you know, and not only you know, does their anger make them gullible, it also basically makes them willing to uh, uh, accept radical solutions to intractable problems in their lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, we always, you know, it's, it's you know, you watch Scooby-Doo and it's always old man Jenkins who's like obviously the meanest man in the entire town. And so, of course, he's the guilty one. All right. But the fact is, is that there's a lot of people who are fed up and, you know, might be might be willing to uh, accept some help or, you know, even if it's not even if it's not a human, especially if it comes with a, uh, you know, with an urbane voice or with gifts, with, you know, with, with a, an appearance of vulnerability, you know, if you help me, I'll help you. You know, we can make things better for you. It's, you know, and, and, and not realizing that they're basically entering into a monkey's paw agreement where even, you know, the, even though they get what they want, ultimately it destroys them. And uh, and, and I, I think that, you know, it's just, you say they're playing a long game. Uh, they would encourage loyalty. Uh, they would reward, you know, but they would... But I think they would have to go to people who were already disillusioned. Already, the disenfranchised, uh, like yeah. radical elements of society and fringe groups. And they would, yeah, they would, and they would often, remember, the mind flayers have, their their tech is, you're not going to see them with a staff. If you see them with a staff, that thing most likely is a living object. So they're going to have the weird, yes, we have we have power for you. Here, we will give you this amulet and it will give you whatever you want to do when you want to do it. If you wish to harm those that, you know, harm you, this will give you the strength to do it. They'll do, you know, usually the, those disenfranchised people, if you give them some, some means of power, even if it's an illusion of power, you'll draw them in. And the flares, you know, they can make that stuff in their weird bubbling vats underground deep and, you know, brew up some type of weird psychic item that will help this human do what he wants, you know, just to get that in at recon. Because, you know, that thing will probably also, oh, it also, we can see through you know, the human senses while he possesses the item we made for him. So we can look around and see what, what it's like up there. Like that, who would follow the flares easily. Flares would have enough, excuse me, flares would have enough time to have watched the human psyche and culture to know that when people are down, if you give them any inkling of, here, here's something to help you, they'll follow you. I'm just hearing in my head, I'm just hearing the Tears for Fears song, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Bingo, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but not just that. I mean, we we know. Okay, I mean, the the government's been very clear about the fact that that seemingly normal people can be radicalized by you know by pe by other people who are actively working to do that. So you know, you're uh, that's why they people always claim that you're you know. Uh, so that the universities are hotbeds of, of radicalization because they're places where people are expected to experiment with different thought patterns and to read uh, you know di material that isn't uh, in this straight line of of, uh, of society at least as as the, the the outsider views it okay and you know I believe that of course that's all baloney uh, everybody I know who went to college was trying to get a job. <laughs> except for a few people that you know were were trying to become artists and they knew they were never going to get a job but they were hoping to marry somebody who'd be able to support them while they they followed their art but i'm just saying is that you know most this in that group yeah, there is here i'm feeling a little called out yeah oh. <laughs> a little personally attacked Ouch. there <laughs> well i'm sorry i wasn't naming names but if you if you want to own that you go right ahead <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not yeah folks we're not bad mouthing anybody who's gotten a communication or liberal arts degree out there we're not doing that don't worry i've got a ba zoology and i'm a computer programmer for a long time <laughs> so now uh, scratch okay again learn something new every day wow okay wow yeah well i was pre-med and i didn't get into medical school ah oh okay so, i didn't know that either so wow I'm you just, don't so think I'm, it 
Yeah. Thinking old man for 20 years, folks. Wow. That, this, uh, this is why whenever you start talking about biology, I usually you know, pipe in. <laughs> I've actually been... Good to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't try to slip anything about life sciences past this guy. Yeah. yeah. But the, the point here is, is that, you know, I, I got to a point in my life where I had to say, well, this isn't working out. What else do, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And so I had to look around and, and say, what interests me? What can I get trained in? And what can I get a job in? And um, I basically taught myself to program in computers, uh, bought myself my own computer for a, a, a ridiculous amount of money at the time. This is, you know, $800 for a you know basically a a, a a 16 actually it was a 48k computer <laughs> but wow let's, but it's, it was basically uh, you know uh, and and I taught myself how to how to program that and from that I started teaching myself other things uh, and and I went back to school to get some formal training and then I uh, started looking for jobs and Work my way up from there. So, uh, uh, but the point is, is that you know, people when they come to places, it's not that uncommon for people to come to a place in their life where they find out that their current life is not working out, and they're going to be looking for another path to take. And if you're a psychic and can read people and can see their darkest desires, if you can see their their hopes, their dreams, their desperation, then you're going to be very good at finding people to support yourself. Because when the government comes for those mind flayers, okay, they're going to find a wall of people, regular Joes, regular Janes who are going to be trying to protect them because they're the only people who ever gave a damn about them in in, in their own eyes okay and so you're going to you're going to have the very un, unlovely task of subduing people who's only uh, who's who's really only major flaw is they pick the wrong person to trust yeah now, of course, if they're shooting at you, then you got to do what you got to do. But I'm just saying is, is that's one of the reasons why the Bureau tries to use uh, non-lethal weaponry whenever possible, because they never know if the person they're dealing with is a, is a true believer, evil to the core, black, you know, heart-bubbling black bile, or is it going to be someone who basically thought, you know, who, you know, who, who, was at desperation's end and grabbed on the only, uh, you know, only lifeline they could find, and it took dragged them right into the the belly of the beast, or somebody who just literally believed a lie, hook, line, sinker, and is and whose identity is now critically, you know, devoted to maintaining that that identity, that falsehood. Because if they don't have that falsehood, then they have to deal with the cognitive dissonance that they have been doing terrible things for no good reason. And nobody nobody wants to be that person. Nobody wants to believe that, that the they're that person. the biggest thing to fight against. Yeah. So, you know, as agents, as Bureau 13 agents, they're going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to deal with the fact that a lot of times they're running into people who think they're on the right side. And they're on the wrong side. Even if they know that they're aliens, they still think they're on the right side. And and so the question is, do you just, you know, you know, compartmentalize that and just go in there and just flatten the area? Or do you, uh, you know, take the take the possibility that the uh, uh, that the mind flayers are going to be able to escape because you're not willing to basically you know take down people who are being shielded by women children elderly and anybody else that uh, you know might be one of their shields oh yeah because the flayers you see they see humanity as nothing more than chattel experiments food cannon fodder they they possess that how do they put it here let me dig through the scourge definition here ah yes dispassionate insight despite having emotions freeing scourges don't interact with the world through them 
but through cold, piercing logic. Thus, all okay, and just it allows them to use their intelligence instead of charisma modifier for all the psi-like and supernatural abilities. But yeah, basically, sociopath is a nice term for them. They don't care about humanity. Humanity, okay, this particular guy over here is my next meal. Or he's my next experiment. This one over here is my control group. That's all they see humanity as. A flare has no problem with launching, you know, a couple dozen people at bureau agents to use them as cannon fodder to get them the chance for them to get away. So yeah, the the bureau agents, if they're dealing with a flare infestation some town, they're probably going to come up in some way or another with those who have already been abducted, either as prisoners, as test subjects, or as totally enthralled, which means they're not going to be in their right mind. They're going to be totally controlled to take these bureau agents out. I mean, but yeah, this the players right here have, is yeah. This is right here is you're describing all those small town cults the bureau has to do with every so often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which would include you know the small towns, not 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 even just the suburban kitchen witches, but you know these little towns in the waybacks of America that you know like down in the holler or out in the Great Plains in the middle of nowhere or high up in the mountains that it's a very close insular town. And they're going to have these because often these cults have been there for generations. And it's just the same, you know, kind of like the um, the witches. I'm blanking. Well, I mean, Bruce. also just look, look back to... Um the original source material, H.P. Lovecraft and, you know, The Shadow Over Innsmouth and all of that. These small little out-of-the-way towns where almost everybody's related to each other and there's something weird about this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, towns where the major industries have collapsed and all that's left are the people that either can't leave or, uh, or just refuse to leave. Okay, they're they're ripe locations for uh, this kind of infestation. And now I'm reminded of the frontiersmen from Blazing Saddles. Yeah, <laughs> I was born here, and I'm going to die here. And yeah, 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 you're going to die here, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I totally forgot that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it, you when you said that about born and died there. It, I'm hearing the Rick, Rick and Rick and Ricker Rucker. Yeah, that popped right in my head. Thanks well, a lot. Well, yeah, you but live, no, yeah, you you live up there near yeah near Detroit, there, Trav. So you know exactly what, you, what this is like. Yeah. What do you wait a minute? What are you trying to say here? Yeah. I, I'm saying that for <laughs> for a long time, your t- uh, Detroit has been considered like not not one of the top places in the country to live. Oh yeah, no, no. Hell, hell, we were murder capital of the world for better part of a decade like back in the 90s i don't deny that at all i've said that to scare people like remember i come from detroit no and i can hear habibi and i can hear habibi (laughs) complaining now you don't come from detroit you're a suburban kid yeah Uh, i I, i'm talking more about the block after block of 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 neighborhoods that look like beirut beirut oh no no i oh no that oh no that's highland park that's where i've been yeah fur drove me through there and i'm like i want to go home yeah i i I know a person yeah, Fur's under right now. I know she's laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I but remember, yeah, so... I remember being in a town one time and this guy gave me a lift and he says, okay, now we're going through this next section of town. Make sure you don't look out the window. <laughs> Do not catch anybody's eye. You know, and, and sure enough, of course, you know, I was I was young and I, I and I looked over and I saw this guy. And, and as soon as I looked over at this guy, he basically got up and started moving toward the car. And the guy's like, you looked, you looked, and he floored it and took off. I do not know to this day whether this guy was totally pulling my leg or not. But yeah, I mean, it was just like, it's, it's the, I, you know, we must have been in, you know, the, the drug distribution center of town or something like that because people were really willing to come over the car well it's again remember it's like that one thing i always told you bruce never show your teeth when you smile it's a sign of aggression yeah exactly yeah Uh, (laughs) but yeah um eye contact's not a good idea ever yeah right 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 yeah like yeah first old neighborhood yeah that was exactly just keep driving straight don't look don't yeah wait till you get on the freeway yeah um but yeah a lot of these these towns that these out of the way towns yeah those are the ones that they they've be, just become so insulated and insular that again like jonathan mentioned in lovecraft yeah 
they're all kind of related and there's weird things going on. It's because this is how these towns have been run for generations. Right. And places like Innsmouth, you know, they had been interbreeding with the, the the deep ones for so long, they thought found them attractive. Okay. People with strangely shaped heads were still considered hot. So uh you know, you can book, you yeah. can find some weird stuff going on in places. Oh, no. One of the first ep uh, adventures I ran for my current Saturday campaign, which is now wrapping up, actually. We're now like 18th, 19th level. Uh, one of the first adventures, I started out the new Team Candlestick very small. They went up to Maine, and they had to deal with, well, the ritualistic killing. And in, I forget which bestiary, there are Deep One hybrids. Humans that have mated with, you know, flare-esque things. And so, yeah, they kind of look like fishmen. They got the big bulbous eyes and the fish mouths, and they're coming at you with serrated daggers. And yeah, I threw that at the beginning, Team Candlestick 2.0. They all got in the Colorado and just started launching missiles. So I made them pay for it. Okay, you got to now spend the next, you know, the rest of the night making this beach look like there's no crater in it. You know, yeah, because that's how they handle it. It's like, no, we're, we're shooting and they're still coming. Everybody get to the Colorado. And I'm thinking, this is what I get for sending them the stats on the Colorado and everything that it had in it. Yep, fire missiles. I'm just, okay, roll to strike. <laughs> But it's because it was this little town up in Maine that had the weird background and the, the people that didn't talk much and come out and, you know, the old factory where they found the ritualistic and they did the arcana check. And, oh, no, this is, you know, or how do they say it in Bureau 13? The spawn of K-Tulu. Yeah. But, yeah, those deep one hybrids, they have them statted out in one of the bestiaries for Pathfinder. I think it's Kuchulu. Okay. Just and it's kind of like how... Yeah, it's kind of like how people have mispronounced Termellern over the years. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> but, Nothing, yeah, the deep and, one... And, and spelled Carillion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've always seen it as Curlian. Yeah, but yeah, the Deep One hybrids are a perfect example of those, and they've got them in one of the Pathfinder best areas. I want to say it's uh, two or three. So yeah, that weird mix of old one and human, yeah, those are another good way that the flare invasion could be. You could have small towns, oh yeah, it's 100 miles outside of Augusta, which is Maine's capital. Yeah, and they're going there, and they're going to start doing stuff. Or, oh, look, this one's up in the mountains and they can go come down and attack Denver. Things like, or infiltrate in and start taking out people. Things like that. As I said, it's all the Actually, weird, I mean... Hmm? Well, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that, that no, made no, me think ahead. that that is another way that um, the Bureau could become aware of something going on is all these small little insular towns start suddenly Acting increasing up. their trade amongst just themselves. Like, just this one little insular town up in Maine starts sending uh, shipping containers to some remote Appalachian village that they've never traded with anyone before. Not even sure how they still survive, but yet suddenly now there's trade between these two places and this third place and this fourth place. What's going on here? Yeah, because see, all that would pick up with the U.S. mail, because if they're sending shipping containers, that would be UPS, FedEx, all the, the major delivery services. All that stuff's computer train, uh, computer track now. I've got an app on my phone that tracks my packages. It's called Shop. It tells me when my stuff from Amazon's coming. So yeah, that stuff can easily be tracked by the Bureau. Just hack into their account and say, okay, yeah, we got their Shop account here. Yeah, they're sending all these shipping containers to some hollow down in West Virginia near Beckley, you know. So yeah, that's that. just the fact that, yeah, this town's got like 65 people. They don't import or export nothing. They're a self-sufficient community. Very little communication. Now they're shipping all this stuff here to a similar town. Yeah. And things like that might even pop up on, it might pop up on a bureau because we, we, we kind of figure that the bureau probably has something like the machine from Person of Interest that would pick up on, that pick up on weird supernatural or strange keywords. And that uh, an might, anomalies to the normal pattern of, of daily life and stuff. And just things that are disruptive of that pattern as in massive amounts of, of deliveries leaving one town and going to another small town. That's going to ping somewhere. On some level, electronically, that's going to ping and somebody's going to pick it up. Yeah, it, it might not trigger an immediate dispatch of like an X team, but there's going to be some investigation. There's going to be some digging involved. Oh, yeah. Maybe third string 
fresh out of you know the Bangor training facility team just going on what is supposed to be a milk run but yeah yeah some somebody's going to be out there one of the good things about groups that ha- play the long game is it also gives you time to play the long game in defending again you can you know you can have a lot of of counter cons going on that to you know that when they actually do make a move you have got a lot of things set in place that seem completely impervious because you've had five years to set up these businesses or set up this information so that when they run across it, it says, well, it's, it's not like it just showed up yesterday in my, in my uh, Reddit feed. Uh, it's, it's been out there a while. It's, you know, it's in these computer systems and stuff like that. And people commented on it. It's this, this, uh, news group or, uh, um, a chat group has been around for five years. Seems legit, but in fact, in fact, is it might have been created five years ago and populated, but nothing but bots. So you don't actually have to put people resources toward it uh, using some uh, some of those computer systems where they just basically give reasonable answers to any questions somebody passes to it by parsing it uh, semantically, uh, and uh, you know so things like the what used to be called the ELIZA program, where, you know, it, it was supposed to be a psych- psychological program that basically fed back questions, you know, to any of your comments. Oh, yeah, I remember messing with that as a kid. Yeah, an uh, old buddy of mine had that, Radio Shack. No, really? no, yeah. no. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's far more sophisticated ones now than there was. Yeah, so I'm just saying is that you can, you know, I, I can see that all kinds of things like that would be part of the Bureau's um workbook uh, the the bureau's toolbox to be able to do that and they do have a couple resources that you haven't mentioned like the men in black you know since these are aliens uh if they are coming from the uh uh if they are coming from the the second world then it's really gonna be more the bureau's problem but if they're coming from outer space then uh, you know there is a secondary agency who doesn't really worry too much about the niceties. And the men in black always seem to be a little bit more uh, hardcore than the bureau about how they treated the American public. Yeah, American yeah, are just an obstacle. Yeah, because you know their attitude is you know uh, if you're in the way we kill you, and if we don't kill you, we mind wipe you. <laughs> so yeah, in a well, lot I mean, of ways, they don't go around. Well, I mean, they don't go around killing innocent people. They don't go around killing humans. They'll do they stuff don't to neutralize try people. to kill humans, but they do. You know they do. Why, well, how would they not? See, are we Anything throwing that in... convinced the witnesses. You know, then usually nine times out of ten, they neuralize them and just go on their way. If, yeah, if they don't kill them, then they'll neuralize them. Right. So you could be a lot rougher with that group than the Bureau 13 can because the best the Bureau 13 has is amnesia drugs. Yeah, yeah. They don't have neuralized yet. Really well, I would, I would, they really, really want to. I would assume that there's a reason why they don't have neuralizers, either for ethical reasons or because they actually do have long-term bad effects. I think, and yeah, I mean, because we, I think we mentioned this during the the pop culture we use in our campaigns episode, but I, I ended up having to take them out of my campaign, and I basically just went with that reason like halfway through the first men in black, you know, it, there's long-term effects to this that the bureau you're, just can't, can't accept. You're going to flash half the woman's brains. medical school out of her head. Yeah. <laughs> Lo- love that line. I just, that to me, that, that was, she was such Kay, a, did you fla- Kay, did you flashy thing me? No, you ain't lying. Did you flashy thing me? No. <laughs> <laughs> and we know she, he and did. He's been flashed about three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In that, in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. She was the coroner yeah. for crying out loud. She had been flashed many times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that, and, and they picked the perfect actress to do that part, too. But, anyways, uh, moving on. The, uh, so, okay, so there's a, there's basically, uh, a, a different methodology about how the Bureau would fight the, uh, uh, about the mind flayers than other agencies, including the ones from Second World. Now, do you think it's possible for the Bureau to actually eliminate them? Or is this one of those intractable problems that once they, they made a foothold, they're here forever? Well, I would think that I the, the flares, okay, uh, the flares, I would think they would compartmentalize. 
Yeah, you took out the one in New York, and it just means that the one in San Francisco is going to pop up down the road. Again, they don't need to attack right away. So the Bureau would probably think, okay, we stopped this one here in the Big Apple. The Big Apple is safe. Meanwhile, 10 years down the road, San Francisco is going to have a, a flare problem. Yeah, I think the Bureau would very easily see this as too big a problem for them, them to take out without revealing the existence of yeah. supernatural in general. I think yeah. they'll just be doing whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes, I mean, think about all the different monsters that the Bureau fights. I mean, it's, it is whack-a-mole. I mean, there's always a, another vampire. There's always another werewolf. There's always somebody who basically got a CRISPR kit and decided to become the next Frankenstein. There's, uh, you know, there's all, I mean, every generation is going to spawn its own reason for the Bureau to exist. So, you know, th this is just the kind of... Uh, a thing that you run into, you know, with, uh, you know, I never liked Richard's line saying, you know, evil is growing. I never thought that evil was growing. I always just figured that, you know, it, it, much like uh, sexual abuse, it's more of a, it's more like we're getting better at uncovering it. <laughs> or like what Will Smith said, right? What is it? Um, racism's always been there. We just now have more cameras. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, yeah. I remember Will Smith saying that quote a couple of years ago on some show. But yeah, the the flares, as I said, they. I, I think it's going to be like like ugh, where was that? Like they said in where it was industrialization, communication, nascent globalization, transportation technologies. People are moving and spreading out more. The flares will have sat undisturbed for decades or centuries or even millennia. And then basically the late 20th, early 21st century is going to make it where humans are going to be accidentally at their underground doorsteps. And then that's when this war, it's still going to be a cold war. The flares don't want to, because they're going to know after all this time, humans have advanced technology. We do not want them to bring these various technological marvels that they've amassed on us. So we must act from the shadows and take them out secretly, even if it takes us centuries. We will wear them down. We will take them down very slowly. Yeah. But what the, but what the mind flayers aren't uh, anticipating, uh, and this is always Richard's vision, was the fact that things like psychic powers... ESP, things like that, or even um, uh, mechanical or electronic ways of doing it are going to become more and more part of the, um, of the, of the human experience until finally the Bureau is going to become public because it's just going to become the national, you know, um, psychic Bureau. Uh, and things like, you know, uh, things like magic is going to be explained away as psychic phenomenon. And, you know, there might be a special group within it, but essentially people are just going to say, you know, they're going to accept the supernatural as actually being part of everyone's lives because it's, they're going to see it as an evolution of humanity, not an other that, that we've always done. And the, and the way we keep eliminating all of the uh, crypto, cryptological creatures, I can really see that happening. Only the... The really hardcore and, and really good at hiding monsters are going to be able to endure in the next couple of centuries. So if we do end up fight, uh, having an open war or uh, fighting a long-term war with the, uh, uh, the mind flayers, I see us as gaining the, uh, the tools to do a better and better job. Because one of the problems about being long lives is you tend to get set in your ways. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Mm, yeah. Here's something else that will come into play here. And I, I thought about this and I even have, again, I, I have a PDF for that type thing. You do, because the remember, the Bureau has some of the highest tech available to them on the planet. Now, yeah, it's all biotech, but you don't think Ray <laughs> Robertson has a biotech division? You don't think oh. that, that, he doesn't have some geneticist or zoologist or, or whatnot, some life scientist who is doing the cloning, the genetic experimentation. That, that type of stuff is where I get my Omega level teams from. Because remember, when I run, you know, I brought up the concept of the Omega level team, and they're pretty much Bureau 13 superheroes. They are the ones that come in and deal with the very high level threats that would possibly out the Bureau. So 
Team Candlestick, yeah, they're an Omega-level team. They're the ones that are going to deal with, okay, we know this dragon's burrowing up from the Earth's core. We need to figure out where he is and stop him before he breaks ground. And so the Bureau, they're going to get bits and pieces of the weird biological psionic stuff that they do this bio tech as I call it. And you know that Robertson is going to want to start reverse engineering this stuff, which means the Bureau will be will literally be fighting fire with fire. Oh, and 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 I have, and this is an old D20 book, it, it uh, perpetrated Press's arsenal. It's techno-magic weapons, but they have a section on psionic firearms. They look, they, they mimic the psionic powers. So if you want to do a hold per, or what, not hold person, Brain lock. Oh, I just grew a paralysis pistol. You fire it, and it's like the psychic power brain lock. And all of these psionic firearms, the pictures that they have in Arsenal, it's all, yeah, these are, these things look like bugs, but they are grown specifically. You push the little nodule that counts as the trigger, they fire the effect out of their mouth. They basically, and I'm going to say this, they, they basically say, yeah, it's a sphincter that expels the dead power crystals. You put another one in there and it powers the gun like a cartridge. The Bureau could make stuff like that because some Cthuloid Ithalid warrior had something like this. And so Robertson's biotech division did something similar. Now, for that, now this is early uh, D20, came out in the early 2000s. It is a game called Center Space. And basically, they're, I mean, they tweaked with the D20 a little, but you can tweak it to D20 Modern or Pathfinder, what have you. And it's basically Cthuloid-type worms known as the Fahazi invade a future Earth in search of a power source. So after a while, everything becomes this biotech because the entire galaxy is now dependent on this power source buried under the North American desert, like in New Mexico, Arizona. So there are rules, and it, the company that does it, they're under, but I'm sure you can still go to sites and get the PDFs. It's Fruit Loops, but it's spelled F-R-U-G-H-T-L-U-P-E-S. That is the name of the company that put out Center Space. And if you want a lot of good weird Cthulhu-esque monsters and biotech that you want Robertson's people to reverse engineer so you can use it against the players. That series has a lot of good biotech creation rules. And they've got... Heck, they've even got biotech starships. like Kind of like a variation of the Nautiloid. That if you really wanted to just... Okay, yeah, this is the starship that we found in the ocean off the coast of Maine. This is where all these weird deep ones are coming from. It was a crease ship. There's millions of these pods on board. You know, the engines were destroyed somehow, and it crash-landed in the North Atlantic. But yeah, center space, and it does have some rules for uh, 4E, so if you want to tweak it that way, you can. But yeah... I see that the Bureau, they're going to get their hands on some piece of flare tech. Oh, God, there's another one real quick. I'm trying to remember. Monty Cook, Malhavik Press, Chaos Attack. So it's like the word chaos, okay, yeah, the letter I, I in tech. That, yeah. yeah, that's another one if you want to reverse have your Bureau people reverse engineer stuff. You know, give it to Robertson. Oh, yeah, well, I just made this new gun here. It's based on the, the bio sample that you brought me. You know, my biotech guys did it. Here, let me show you, and it blows a hole in the wall. And you're looking at Robertson, and you're like Rick and Morty with the, the, the lollipop. You SOB, I'm in. You know, and you, you order five, you know, to go out, blast flares underground. <laughs> I know I could. That's why I said SOB. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I see that Chaos Attack and Center Space, and even if you can go to, if you go to noblenight.com and get uh, Arsenal from Perpetrated Press, psionic tech weapons that... The Bureau can reverse engineer or make on their own so you can take the battle to the flares. Granted, these, as I said, these guns look like bugs. They got the chitin on them and they may have, a, you know, like insect legs out the side. But yeah, you hold them, you pull the little nodule and it fires off, you know, a telekinetic beam or a stunning beam like the, the, the flares and their, you know, sap will ability. Or it, it spits a, uh, a, a spray of corrosive nanobots. Or... or Goo, or yeah, you could even have it where, no, this is a mutator gun. What do you mean? You fire it at them and it'll nullify their powers. And it fires, um, not nanites, the bio version. Retroviruses. Yeah, something like that. You know, just there, there is stuff out there to do the biotech, chaos tech type weapons that the flares have where you can use it in that type of mission because 
let's say the flares have, you know, like bulletproof skins or they have their psionic force fields or whatever. Well, you hit them with a little biotech, they're not going to be able to, you know, shrug that off that easily. So yeah, just some suggestions on thing from things that I've used. Because in the psionic bestiary, and let me get the page here, uh, real quick, I know that we're like 10 minutes from ending here. The Bruce there is, outlines Trav with his PDFs. Yeah, yeah. The, you, the, <laughs> long-time listeners, you know how we roll and Bruce has seen my folders, so he'll back me on this. There's a thing on page, looking for it, I want to say 83 of, or 85 of the uh, psionic bestiary called a puppeteer and it's like a flare worm that rides on the back of the person and you know it, it's c- kind of like the gold type of thing the pahazi are the same way but they do actually burrow in you could use those as it means to enthrall humans the flares grow these worms they're kind of like the 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 Rathacon worms that got in check off you know that type of thing that's another way to enthrall and that would be just more of their biotech. They grow creatures for purposes. Instead of us making tech or bureau making magic items, these things grow their yeah, and and, and it can uh, be equipment. Sub- yeah, it can be subtle too. You know, uh, if you just simply go and create a, a a device, a bug, whatever you want to call it, that goes in and destroys the um, uh, the impulse uh, governing. Uh, parts of the brain so that people just start using less judgment makes them more suggestible first of all and secondly it means you can get them to do stuff that they normally wouldn't do and and oh yeah like they may not even realize uh, it happening wisdom drain yeah for for ogl something that lowers the wisdom score but i mean you're you're taking a normal person and basically making them into a sociopath yeah and that you know and it could be done very subtly where, you know, just, you're like, well, why wouldn't I, you know, do this? And you're like, because it would be wrong. And you're like, but I want it. And, yeah. You know, and they're like. What is this wrong you speak well, of? Yeah. <laughs> well, also with the, the whole thing with the, the, the sigh in that the flayers use. Remember, magic, it's a lot of, you know, hand wiggling and you use words and you're making things disappear, you know, material components. Psy, you don't need to battle Lash. All you, need, you don't even need to look at them. They just need to be in the range and you concentrate on them. That's the scary thing about psychic powers is that magic is often very visible. A psionic could be walking down the street and somebody half a block away drops dead. So the so the flares have that with, you know, their, their powers are always very surreptitious and secretive and you never know from where it's coming. And if you empower some human thrall to do that stuff, like, you know, you get the will, like Bruce said, the will sapping thing, and then you give him, oh, this this psionic symbiote that grafts to his chest, and he now can mind blast people to death. He could walk around the middle of New York City and be popping people, and nobody would know why. Yeah, shade, shades and, of uh, uh, oh, uh, Resident Evil, where, uh, you know, uh, the, the heroine, you know, got that, that scarab on her chest and started having all kinds of abilities. Till they finally got it off of her. Yeah, yeah, it, it, but just yeah, the site, the the flares would do that type of stuff where yeah, they would make it where it's secret. They're not going to do big flashy things of power out in the open. If they're going to be using the big flashy powers, it's going to be down in their neighborhood. They know on the surface world they don't have that home court advantage. So they're going to, as I said, it's a war of the shadows. It's all going to be down back alleys and in sewers and abandoned buildings. You're not going to be fighting a flare anywhere like on a street at night. It's going to be all hidden because they don't want to be out in public. They know how humans are. The one, and I, and I say this in my games, the one thing we humans know how to do better than anything is destroy stuff we don't understand or like. Heck, we do it amongst ourselves. And the flares, they know this. They've been watching humanity for centuries, if not millennia. They know full well. No, we fight out in the open. They have guns and tanks and planes and drills, and they can come in and root us out. We are better than them. We are not going to be treated like animals. Buster bombs. Exactly. These these devices that can blow holes in the ground and expose us. We are better than them. We will do it, and they'll never see us coming. But thankfully, in your campaigns, you have something that will stop them because they fight in the dark and secret as well. And that would be the 13th Bureau of the Justice Department. That's right. It's like, yep. Heroes. Yes. Is it, what were they talking What was the uh, uh, Heroes Undercover? I was trying not to say, you know, the one for uh, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but Heroes Undercover, basically. 
Yeah, know? yeah. Those are heroes in a half show. <laughs> right, right. Well, I remember what I remember the novelization of Star Wars. Princess Leia was quoted as saying, "They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Naturally, they became heroes." <laughs> yeah, usually the bureau are they're not in decent places, but they were there at the right time. Yeah. Sounds like half their recruits, too. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, post-77. Yeah, that's what they had to do. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for all this hard work that you did coming up with this scenario. Uh, we hope that you, uh, our, our gentle listeners, have enjoyed this and is giving you some ideas about something, about some fun you can have with traditionally uh, medieval supernatural threats and bring them into a modern campaign where it can literally be, you know, you can use those uh, AK-47s versus, you know, versus mind flayers, you know, and... Yes, and a real, a real quick, folks. In the Bureau Thirteen uh, Agents Everywhere Facebook group, I'm there. I have it. If you have a comment that you want to ask me about the stuff that I've brought in the Second World Source Book or all these other PDFs, by all means, go to the Bureau Thirteen Agents Everywhere Facebook group and just tag Robert Trav Pulaski, and I'll, it'll come up, and I will answer your questions ASAP about all this other supplemental stuff that I brought in for this little thought experiment. So, so, so is the Second World Sourcebook still available? Uh, yes, you can get the PDF from DriveThroughRPG.com and the hard copy at NobleKnight.com. That's Knight with a K-N, the, the gaming store up in Litchfield, Wisconsin. But they have a very, very well done site. Yeah, uh, website, yes. Okay, all right. Well, again, thanks everybody. And we will have more Inter, you know, thought experiments and other weird topics like this in the future, uh, but you'll have to wait until next week. So until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license no commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.